Welcome to Redeemer's Church Weekly Message Podcast, where our mission is simple. We are a church that is passionate about loving God and loving people. And now, we hope you enjoyed this week's message by Pastor Caleb Schaefer. This month, we're going to be talking about foundations. Uh, foundations. And this morning, I'm going to be laying a foundation for the series. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about where this came from. A couple months ago, probably May, uh, I was just spending some time just thinking about our church. And I started kind of asking myself uh, these, these questions. Uh, one of the questions was, who is Redeemer's Church? What makes us who we are? What is unique about Redeemers? Are there things about Redeemer's Church that would distinguish us from other places? And let me just say something really, queer, really quickly, sorry. Last, that last question about distinguishing us, it's not because I have a personal vendetta to be in competition with other churches. Redeemers is not a place that's going to compete with other churches. That is so anti-kingdom. <laughs> we're not in competition. We're not, we're not looking down the road to what everybody else is doing and saying, let's do that here. Because here's what I find. When you compete against other churches, you actually lose your own identity. And so these questions are, well, what distinguishes us? What are, what, and, and the whole goal of this reflection exercise that I was, taking, uh, I, was, I was going into was for two reasons. Number one, I was trying to identify, and let me just say, I've got a long road till we get to Scripture, okay? But I'm laying a foundation, so please just bear with me. But number one, here was why I was asking myself these questions. Number one, I was trying to identify words that could describe the essence of what Redeemers is. Now, essence is an important word. It's an, it's, it's an amazing word. It's, uh, you know, for me, I, I like words. And so, uh, but it's an amazing word because number one, it's underutilized. People don't use the word essence. Essence used to be a magazine. I don't know if it's still a magazine anymore. Is it? Okay, cool. Royal, do you read it? No, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm just thinking you, you're trying to get them hair tips. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Please give me a hug after church today. But essence is not really a word. But here's, here's why it's more important to me. Because at our 50th year church anniversary, Millie, our founding pastor's wife, said one, a quote that has stuck with me since then. She said this statement. She said, we must be willing to forsake the form of something to embrace the essence. We must be willing to forsake the form of something to embrace the essence. What that meant was that even though the style and flavor of what we do as a church may evolve and change, we must make sure that the essence behind what we do remains the same. Such a 
profound statement to be made. See, essence is an important word. Now, let me just kind of break down the definitions. Essence, by definition, is this. It's the organic nature or indispensable qualities of something. The organic nature or indispensable qualities of something. Two really important words for that definition. The first is organic. Organic. And some of y'all feel like you're in English class right now. Sorry. But there's two really important, powerful words for this meaning. Number one, organic. Organic is what something is without adding anything to it. How many of you go to the grocery store and you, everybody is about the organic? <laughs> Did you get the organic groceries? It's organic. And organic is something that has no additives added to it. And that's, a, that's a key word for the definition. When something is organic, watch this, it's not trying to change to be something different. When something is organic, it is what it is without trying. Organic is authentic, it's genuine, it's sincere. Let me give you a, a, a human being example. When Saul's daughter Michael got mad that David was dancing in the streets, she was hating on him because he was just being organic. He wasn't putting on a show for the people that were watching the, the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, come into Jerusalem. If nobody showed up, he would still be dancing that way. Because what he was doing was not for the crowd. And Michael got embarrassed. Here's the thing that you don't understand. She was insecure about how free David was being organic. And often the people that hate on you for being you is simply because they're insecure that you have more freedom than they, than they have. They just don't like, they don't like that you're organic and you have no problem with it. David was not trying to be anything to everybody else. He was just being organically, genuinely, authentically him. Second word that's so important to this definition is indispensable. This is what indispensable means. That which is absolutely necessary for something to be what it is supposed to be. Indispensable. So in asking myself these questions about who is Redeemer's Church, I've been trying to identify who we are organically or who we are without trying to be somebody else. And also... What is absolutely necessary for Redeemer's Church to be Redeemer's Church? See, I was asking myself these questions because point number one, I was trying to identify words that could describe the essence of who we are, but from a more logistical standpoint, I don't know if you're aware of this, but we've been doing some renovations in the Resource and Media Center. And all of those renovations are on purpose. It's not just personal preference. It's not like, oh, we're, old, you know, we're not old school. We don't, everything, is, you know, everything is online now. We don't need all the books. No, that's not the point. The point is, is that there are multiple things we're going to be doing in that room. That room is going to be used for counseling. That room is going to be used 
for our pre-service meetings on Sunday mornings with the team. That room is going to be used for the middle school group when they transition out of service. They're going to be going in there. And lastly, and probably most importantly, in my opinion, is that room is going to be used to teach new members about who we are as Redeemer's Church. So we're renovating that space so that we can have a dedicated space to that. And so it's important that we ask ourselves these questions. And as I was asking myself these questions, let me just say this. Far be it from me that I be the one to try to come up with the answers about who we are. Because that would be all opinion. So it would probably be more important that I go back to the origin of Redeemer's Church, the the source of Redeemer's Church, and I ask Pastor Millie. And so we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago, and I just said, hey, can you please just tell me some of the things about Redeemer's Church that, that come to mind when you think about who we are? And after that conversation, you know what I started to think? I started to think, what would everybody else here say? Because here's the thing. Everyone that enters into into this place has a unique perspective about what they experience here. And so last Thursday, I sent out a text to some people. And I just said, hey, I've been thinking about this myself. And I'm just curious about what your responses will be. Now, if I did not text you, please do not get offended. And if you do, I have no problem with that. You can send it to my personal email, dbenpastor at aol.com, and I will get back to you. I will get back to you. No problem. But I want you, listen, I want you to listen to some of the answers people shared. And, and, and Millie, I want you to listen. Because... This is some of the fruit that you and Willard labored for. Decades ago, there's still fruit. And not only that, if Pastor Dwight and Tammy happen to watch this, well, he probably is, because he can't be away for too long. I want you to hear about this, because this is some of the fruit from under your leadership. Here were some of the things. I love what I, the responses I heard. Not another large church where the service seems like a production. That's an amazing one. Sermons are 100% based around Scripture, and they do not twist the Word of God in any way to affirm cultural ideals. Rather, they teach the truth. The people are genuine and care about others. And I usually tell people about how good the small groups are, especially from a young husband and father standpoint. The kindest people. Spirit-filled and spirit-driven, spontaneous and flexible, not culturally influenced, consistent, diverse songs in worship, not just what's popular right now. Cares about transforming lives, not filling seats in the bank account. Missions-focused, local, domestic, and international. Quality over quantity. We might not be the biggest church, but those that come are authentic. We might not have the flashiest worship, but it welcomes the Holy Spirit. Our pastors don't always preach the sermon we want to hear, but they preach the sermon we need to hear. It's as diverse of a church that anyone would attend. Everyone speaks to everyone, not a clique type of church. The pastors are honest, transparent, and approachable. It's got a loving community type feel. The members are, members are given multiple opportunities to serve and not just be a part of the congregation. It's a church where you can come as you are. 
Pastors are led by the Spirit. Our church is Bible-led. We love, the, we love people. We believe the whole Bible, including the gifts of the Spirit. The people at this church have made me feel a part of a family. These are the people I look to as role models and the ones I go to for advice. Friendly, encouraging, diverse, aged, wisdom, unassuming. I love that. Salt of the earth. Genuine, authentic, spirit-led, and welcoming. We worship God with the freedom that the scripture describes and his presence is evident among us. The love I experience here is something I never want to go without and I want others to experience God's presence and love for themselves. If I were to describe our church, I would talk about the fact that we are a very spirit-based church that has an agenda to love people and pursue God's kingdom. Now, I didn't send out like a gift card to everybody for this, right? We have a vast majority of nationalities and personalities, which makes us who we are. There's literally a group or personality for everyone at our church. I love this. Help. The church is always there to help. Whether it's someone to talk to, random side, side jobs, parenthood, friendships, someone is always there. Awesome. Great people with lots of love to offer, caring people, welcoming people that make you feel like family. We are a church that allows the Holy Spirit to move and operate during worship. Are you seeing any sort of familiarities? We preach solid biblical principles. We don't tiptoe around issues. We're not a a church that pushes religion down your throat, not a church that begs for money. That's between you and God. You can feel the presence of God, not a cookie-cutter service. We go where God wants it to go. Every Sunday can seem a little different. You never know what you're going to get. Welcoming, family-oriented, inclusive to all walks of life, spirit-filled, discerning of the spirit, loving, caring, home. How many of you know that's, those are some amazing descriptions? But let me just tell you this. They're not just amazing. They're accurate. They are very accurate to who we are. But listen to me this morning, because this is so important to understand. Everything that people said to answer those questions describes the culture of our church that people experience when they're with us. They describe the culture, the, the, the experience, the atmosphere that you're going to walk into when you come here. It describes that. Now, let me just say what church culture is. By church culture, I mean the collection of our values our beliefs, our ethics, our attitudes, our customs and traditions that characterize who we are as a church. Every one of those things that people described defines what people will experience when they are with us. And listen to me, where does our culture come from? Our church culture comes from our foundations. The culture that people experience when they are with us in any entity or organization, is always a reflection of the foundation that was laid. The culture flows from the foundation in any entity or organization. Let me give you an example, okay? In America, Thomas Jefferson penned these words in the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among those are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And that foundation 
defines our culture, which will always head towards preserving and expanding the freedom of its people as long as the leadership of the nation remembers the foundation. That's important. But the point is, is when that is the foundation that's laid in a nation, it will always lean towards people's freedom. It will always progress. There will be progress to people having that freedom and experiencing that freedom as long as the leadership remembers the foundation. Listen to me this morning. Culture is directly connected to the foundation that was laid. Who Redeemers is now is directly connected to the foundation that was laid by Pastor Willard and Millie and continued by Pastor Dwight and Tammy. We are not who we are by accident. We are who we are because of our foundation. Who Redeemers will be in the future will be decided by whether or not we continue to keep our church culture connected to our foundation. Do you understand what I'm saying? In other words, we must be willing to forsake the form of something to embrace the essence. As long as the essence remains the same, we will be who we were meant by God to be as a church. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 1 through 13. This passage is an amazing passage because Paul is writing back to a church that he laid the foundation at. And Here's the thing. This is why we're going to spend a month talking about our church's foundations. And by the way, I want to let you know, we're not just talking about history. We're talking about guiding principles. We're talking about those things that are core to who Redeemer's Church was at its inception. Because those are the things that we need to continue to preserve so that we remain who we're supposed to be. And Paul, in Corinth, he started this church, he laid the foundation, and shortly after he leaves, there's a straying from the foundation. Because it's one thing to know your foundation, it's equally important to know what you're building on the foundation. And so Paul addresses that here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, I, brothers, could not speak to you as spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. He's recognizing that these these believers in this early church are just kind of immature in their thinking and in their faith. And that's okay. He said, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able. By the way, let's just talk about this. If people come to Christ in in our midst, We have to understand that you don't feed people steak. They need the time to grow. And they need the time. And you know what that means? That means we need to have grace. We give grace because I didn't feed Zeke steak at two. And and when he couldn't, he had no teeth. Just keep gnawing, buddy. You'll get it down. He said this, you you were not yet able, for you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly and are you not walking like mere men? 
Verse four, for when one says, I am of Paul and another, I am of Apollos, are you not mere men? What then is Apollos? And what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. Verse six, I love the scripture. I planted, Apollos watered, but don't forget, God is the one that's causing the growth. I love, hey, when Redeemer's church grows, God is the one who causes the growth. God is the one who causes the growth. And, and you know what? <laughs> you don't write a book about how you grow if God's the one that causes it. It's not a tactic and it's not a method. It's called grace. It's just the way that he does. He chooses the timing of things. Yeah, there's methods and there's systems that work and I understand all of that, but, but you don't capitalize on God's grace. He said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing growth. What was the problem? Now, the problem was this, is Apollos was a teacher in Corinth. Paul laid the foundation. And in Greek culture, especially, you prided yourself on who was your teacher. And it was causing issues in the church because people were like, I heard the gospel from Apollos. And people were like, well, Paul's the one who planted and I heard the gospel from Paul. And it's like, my teacher is better than your teacher. No, my teacher is better than your teacher. And it was so petty and immature. And so Paul is bringing a correction. He's saying, you guys are being so petty and immature that you're causing division over something simple. It doesn't matter if Apollos is the, the one that you heard it from or you heard it from me. Don't forget, Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God is the one that caused the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but God who causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. Say God's building. Now this is one of my favorite scriptures. According to the grace of God, which was given to me like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building on it. But each man must be careful, say careful, how he builds on it. Verse 11, for no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Verse 12, now if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work, this is so important, will become evident for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work that's some fire word right there let me talk i want to i want to before we close um, four things right here from this passage of scripture and every one of these pertains to understanding our foundation as a church and what we build as a church. Because the point of a church is to not simply remain, to not simply exist. And the longer a church, the older a church is, the more a tendency is for that to be the case. Let me give you an example. 
First and foremost, it was not in the video, and that's fine, but thank you so much to every single person that showed up at National Night Out on Tuesday. It was, I, I feel at home in those events. And it, nothing makes me more proud than to see our people mingling and interacting and loving people. I saw Deborah Sean dying with some people. She was going in. They didn't even know what was happening. No idea. I love that Chris Harrison's back hurt because he was at, he was at the blow-up game. <laughs> I, there was like 800 kids in line for that. And he's like, go, stop it, stop, stop. Go, stop, stop it. He had the most exhausting job the whole night. That's why I gave it to him. I was like... (laughs) But the reason why I said that the older a church gets, the more there's a tendency to just exist rather than build is because there were three or four churches at National Night Out. Do you know there's about 15 churches in this neighborhood? You know what that tells me? Either you're not interested in your local Jerusalem or you're just trying to exist. And so you got, we, we're building. So we need to, it's important how we build. First thing that I want to uh, uh, just... Four things, observations here that, that we, uh, we're going to talk about. Number one, remember and honor the foundation. The reason why we're doing this series is because we're remembering our foundations, and in remembering them, we're honoring the foundations. I didn't even consider the fact that's Communion Sunday, because that's what we do in communion. Now, let me just say this. We are not elevating our foundations and honoring our salvation, our, our, our foundations in an idolized way. That's the last thing Willard and Millie would want and Dwight and Tammy would want. It's not about elevate, it's not about making an idol out of our foundations, but we need to know who we are as a church. And that in part has to do with remembering the foundations. Paul reminds the Corinthians of the foundation he laid for them because they were drifting away in their division and immaturity, and in boasting about who their leaders were. Verse 9, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building, according to the grace of God, which was given to me like a wise master builder. I laid a foundation, and another is building on it, but each man must be careful how he builds it. That word foundation has multiple meanings. It's, it talks about structure, but it's literally, in the Greek, it's guiding principles. So he was, when he said, I laid the foundation, what he was saying was, yeah, I started the church, but it was more than that. I, I imparted to the founders, to the people that were with me from the beginning, guiding principles about what this church was supposed to be about. I would, I would like to suggest this morning that that same impartation took place with Pastor Willie and Willard and Millie. That there were guiding principles through a series of experiences, revelations, times of prayer, impartation, wisdom, prophetic, whatever it would be. There were guiding principles about what Redeemer's Church was supposed to be about. So we got to remember our history. He said, like a wise master builder, I laid 
guiding principles. And another one is building upon that. So as we consider the future of our church, let's remember our foundation that God gave Willard and Millie. Gave them blueprints for the church. And let me say this about our history as we talk throughout the rest of the month. He gave blueprints to Pastor Willard and Millie for, this, for a church that didn't really exist 58 years, 68, 58 years ago. This was a pioneering church. Second thing is this. So we've got to remember and honor our history. Second is this. What continues to be built here will be because of us. And there's weight to that. Now, there will be, recognize this, in any church environment, there will be attenders and then there will be participators. And I would hope that if you're in a, you would, you would identify yourself as an attender, at some point you would become a participator. But what continues to be built here, or let me say it this way, what continues to not be built here will be because of us. Because the participator says, I'm tired of participating, and I'm just going to be an attender. What you, under, what you don't understand is that you may be a brick in what, being, what is being built that is removed, and it causes instability in what's being built. Everybody has to understand the significance of their role here. Now, I'm not talking about forcing anybody to serve anywhere. Not at all. But don't undermine your significance in the fact that it is not a pastor alone that builds what God does in a church. It, there's no way. I think the reasons why Jesus left was like, hey, um, I need more people besides just me to share the load. So I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to come Fill people with the same spirit that I have that will carry the same passion, the same vision, the same heart so that the kingdom is, is multiplied in how it's being built by every single understanding that what continues to be built in the kingdom will be because of us. 1 Corinthians 3, and another, verse 10, and another is building on the foundation, but each man must be careful how he builds it. So what Redeemers looks like in the days ahead will be because of what we build together. And this is how we build together. We build together continuing to carry the culture of Redeemer Church that is connected to our foundation. When you say carry culture, you carry the value for what the founders valued. That's what it looks like. Okay, number three. I'm sorry, let me just say this. Speaking to that, that point. 1 Peter 2, 5, listen. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. You're, you're bricks in the wall. You're stones that he's using to construct his kingdom. Verse three, or number three. What we are building is a part of the bigger picture. So, Paul urges the Corinthians to set aside their petty differences by turning their attention towards the bigger picture. Verse uh, 10 and 11. And another building on the foundation, but each man must be careful how he builds on it. For 
No man can lay a foundation. This is the bigger picture. Other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. In other words, hey, all this petty nonsense, seeing the big perspective. And let me just, right here, because I feel like the Holy Spirit. Thank you. It's kind of heavy, but I appreciate it. Do you know offense never sees the big picture? Never. Offense never sees the bigger picture. Because offense is maximizing what's under a microscope. It's magnifying. It is putting lenses around your ability to see a bigger picture and hyper-focusing on this. Offense never sees the bigger picture. Don't allow offense to rob you of seeing what God is trying to build that's bigger beyond that. Never sees the bigger picture. What we're building here is a part of the bigger picture. No man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. The Corinthian church was a part of the bigger picture of what Jesus was building, and Redeemers is no different. Now, here's why that's important. It's important because when you understand that your church your church bigger bigger it changes how you build there are churches that were programming and ministry and events for every single person in the world and they wonder why they're so scattered and thin because you're not supposed no church is supposed to be the kingdom of god in the earth alone. And when you try to create, here's what happens. People grow to a certain point, and then there's something that happens internally in the heart of leadership that says, this is too good, we can't let this go, so we need to start creating programming for every single person on the planet to be a part of something, to keep everybody here. The church doesn't exist for that. The church is supposed to expand and multiply across the earth, not expand and multiply all of the events and things and activities to keep every single person at your church because in that moment, is Jesus the center or is your church? You know what I love about Redeemers? I would love Redeemers to get to, and I said this with Pastor Dwight. I'm just gonna say it. I would love for Redeemers to get to about 400 people and we say, we're a little bit too big. Who wants to start a church and who are the people that are going to go with them? Because that's what the kingdom is about. It's not about patting ourselves on the back saying, we've had members for 50 years. Cool. That's awesome. I love that. But we're not going to create events and all of these different things to try to keep every single person on the planet around because we're a part of a bigger picture. Do you know there are other churches that do some things that we do better than we do them? That hurts. No, it doesn't. Because when you know who you are, 
that doesn't really matter. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. We hope you were challenged, encouraged, and inspired as you listened to this teaching from God's Word. For more messages or information about our church, please go to www.redeemers.life.